Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church. And welcome to Repentance is the Key. Is the key. Even that the blood in the church hall Don't forget about my friends in the dance hall Joy and love me have a great peace of mind And not this me want me dance I'll bring them to find Now go fast and pray Go fast and pray Till Christ that I may bring them fine See she go fast and pray Go fast and pray And to the devil get thee behind Me fast and pray Go fast and pray Till Christ that I may bring them fine See she go fast and pray Go fast and pray the dread of the control, international control and choke the world, universal field marshal, no partial, who played the white selection without objection. Shalom and welcome once again to another episode of Repentance is the Key. Yeah, that's right. God loves us. He loves us all. So I'd like to welcome you once again to another episode of Repentance is the Key. And uh, this is one of my first episodes for so-called year 2015. And uh, I say so-called, you know, because we've done a few shows, you know, going through the scriptures and showing how, you know, the the new beginning actually starts in spring and not in the dead of winter. But that's a, another topic for another time. Uh, tonight's class is actually going to be uh, something that's kind of, you know, it, 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 I was inspired by something that I saw in a store. You know, there was a, uh, you know, a mother, she had about three or four kids with her. And, you know, there's this one little girl, you know, she was acting up and acting up the whole time. And the mother's like, listen, sit down, be quiet. And it's like every five seconds she just kept telling this little girl, you know, to behave herself. And as soon as the mother turned her back, the little girl got into something, and she was getting into it so good, she didn't see her mother uh, coming around the corner. And needless to say, she got it good. Um, <laughs> she didn't spank her in the store, but she did uh, scold her very harshly. So, and that got me to thinking of, you know, that's kind of how the Heavenly Father deals with us <clears throat> as adults, grown folks, his children. You know, he tells us what we're supposed to do, you know, that's written in the scriptures as far as how we're supposed to behave ourselves, okay, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves amongst each other. And, you know, he, even though he's not a physical man here with us, like we have physical parents that are, you know, with us and that instruct us, but his spirit is always with us. And his spirit, if we allow it, is what guides us and what we should be listening to and what we should adhere to. You know, so that kind of, you know, kind of struck a chord with me and reminded me of where we go into in tonight's class, which is the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. 
And First Thessalonians chapter four, you know, Paul starts out reminding the church in Thessalonica about, you know, how, you know, that people need to seek out their own salvation, and how, you know, we need to have conviction, our own convictions, our personal convictions within ourselves about why we are following Christ. Okay, why are we trying to clean our anger? Why are we trying to repent so that we can clean ourselves from the sins of the past? And that's really what repentance is all is all about. It's not about you know condemning people. You have uh, certain institutions that have the what we call like the the hellfire and brimstone you know sermons, and that's all that they focus on. You know, you have certain churches that will cover the other end of the spectrum where it's all about mercy, mercy, grace, grace, mercy, mercy, grace, grace, and there's no you know accountability. You know, first of all, for, for people to the Heavenly Father in Christ as far as the acts that we're supposed to repent of. You know, the Lord will just forgive you for any and everything, but we're going to go through the scriptures tonight. And uh, Lord willing, you know, our listeners will receive some edification, including myself. Okay. Because the scriptures talk about when we teach, we teach us, do we not teach ourselves all the time? So let's start out. Thessalonians, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So he's going into the letter, and he says that what? He's exhorting, meaning he's encouraging the, the brethren and the sisters that are in the church of Thessalonica. Okay? He's encouraging. He's giving them confidence. He's going through the scriptures and helping them you know, to get some confidence. And he says that what? We exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. So the doctrine that they were preaching, of course, is repentance through Jesus Christ. And he said that what? How they ought to what? Walk and please God. Because we're not here to please man. We're not here to, for our children to gather a cheerleading squad for people to tell us how good we are. We're not here for people to pat us on the back and say, you know, oh, you're a good person. No, even Christ even straightened that out. He said, no, there's only one good, and that's God. But the thing that we're supposed to be focused on, when you look at what the world calls personal responsibility, the scriptures calls it, you know, us examining ourselves and things of that nature, you know, we need to have our own personal convictions within ourselves and understand how we ought to walk and how we're supposed to please God. And you will have many, you know, preachers and pastors and churches and philosophies, you know, that they're countless that will tell you how you're supposed to walk and please God. But a lot of times the walk or the conduct that they're speaking of does not line up with what's written in this Holy Bible. And the God, a lot of times, oftentimes, that they're speaking of is not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? The creator of the universe, the God that we worship, the Father of Jesus Christ. That's who this Bible is dealing with. And he gave us instructions on how we're to walk, how we're to behave, and how to please him, okay? And, and he gave us the ultimate example and his son, our Lord and Savior Christ. That is the prototype. That is the archetype. That is the model. That is the mold that we're supposed to model ourselves after. And he gave us the understanding 
of those law, statutes, and commandments of old of how we're supposed to keep them. He showed us where sin begins. He showed us how to discipline our mind. He showed us how to allow our bodies to be meat for the master's use, okay, meaning the heavenly father, so that he can be glorified. So let's read on. He says, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Now, that's a very serious, uh, heavy statement. Because he said that, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. Meaning that, because a lot of churches will try to teach that, you know, all of those laws and everything are done away with. But when you start reading this Bible and applying the spirit of Christ, Christ showed us how to abstain from fornication. He showed us how to not commit adultery. He showed us how to not commit murder. He showed us how not to defraud our brother. All of those things. He showed us the example of how a husband and a wife are supposed to be in a marriage, how to raise your children. The Lord gave us that understanding through his example and how he deals with the church. Through the Heavenly Father's example and the mercy and the judgment that he has and the balance between the two with the children of Israel. Excuse me, it's all in the scriptures. But here he says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And it's funny because when you look at that word sanctification, that means to be cleansed. Because we're, be, we're supposed to be cleansed from sin. We're supposed to be cleansed from the breaking of the commandments. Meaning that if I'm cleansed from something, if I'm dirty, and I'm going to sanctify myself, I'm going to clean myself, that means that I'm going to remove that dirt from me. And not only am I going to remove that dirt from me or those things that pollute me, I'm not going to put myself in situations that's going to allow me to become dirty again. I'm not going to go back into the same behaviors and, and follow up with the same habits that got me dirty in the first place. That's not being sanctified. So when you look here where that the Lord says what? How Paul was saying through the Spirit, that the will of God and even our sanctification that we should abstain from fornication. A lot of people don't even know what fornication is. You know, when we were coming up, you know, in church and everything, it's like, okay, well, they think fornication is, you know, well, that, that's shacking. Okay, some people think, okay, fornication is sex before marriage. Okay, that's, that's really what it's talking about. You know, you ain't supposed to be having sex before you marry. Y'all ain't supposed to be shacking, okay, as they say in some of the old school terms. But there are a lot of other things, according to the Bible, that fall under that category, that umbrella of fornication, that a lot of people don't think it is. Okay? And you can read about those in the book of Leviticus, like the 20th chapter of Deuteronomy 22, where it goes through fornication with basically sexual acts that are unlawful, according to the word of God, meaning that sexual acts that will cause us to become unclean in the sight of the Lord. Those are the things that cause us to not be sanctified, okay, and not be cleansed spiritually and physically, okay? But I'm just going to, you know, when you look at, you know, some of the things in Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus, the 20th chapter, and it's, it's all over through the scriptures, you know. But, you know, Leviticus, the 20th chapter, goes into, you know, about unlawful sexual acts, relations, rather, how, you know, 
the like father and and, and daughter, uh, mother and son, uh, uh, the children, the nieces and nephews dealing with aunts and uncles, and the fathers having sex with the son's uh, wife and things of that nature. And most people they consider they call it incest. Okay, that's what they would classify as incest. And um, I think the, the, a few weeks ago we actually did a uh, did a show on the uh, virtual living room, which airs uh, Sundays at 2 p.m. We actually touched on that subject of, you know, of people that may have had sex with their cousin, and is that considered incest? The world considers it incest, but you won't find that as a, an unlawful sexual act in the scriptures as long as that man and that woman are dealing according to the scriptures as a husband and a wife. It's not just a, a so-called casual encounter, if you will. But um, you look at Leviticus, the 20, uh, 20th chapter, and it goes through, you know, some of the things about a man life and when it's, uh, men dealing with men and women dealing with women. That's also considered fornication. Okay, a, a, a man dealing with the, the mother and the daughter. Okay, because you've got a lot of dudes that are bragging about that. Yeah, man, I hit, I hit her and her mama. That's fornication. Okay, um, dealing with animals, people having sex with animals, whether it be a man or a woman, those are all, they call it bestiality, but that still falls under the umbrella of fornication. And what a lot of people don't, don't understand as, is fornication. You have a lot of people that do this also is having sex with a woman while she's on her uh, monthly cycle or her period. Okay, and some people call it getting their red badge, so-called. That's fornication according to the Bible. Okay, and those are things that we're not supposed to be doing, and those are things that make us unclean. So going back to First Thessalonians chapter four and verse three, I'm read it again. It says, "For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication." Abstain means to basically just stop cold. You leave off from it and you don't do it. It's the same word that they teach. Oh, so so-called, you hear a lot of so-called conservatives teach abstinence, basically refraining, refraining from sexual relations until you're married. They don't want to hand out condoms. We want to teach abstinence in school, refraining from having sexual relations. Here, the scripture says to abstain from fornication. So when we start going through these things and we actually start reading the Bible, okay, and seeing the example of Jesus Christ about how we're supposed to abstain from fornication, then that puts a lot of people on front street as far as the doctrine that they're teaching and a lot of us so-called Christians as far as the lives that we lead. Are we truly abstaining fornication? Or are we backsliding? We making excuses. We allow ourselves to so-called haphazardly follow situations to where now, hey, I, I don't know what happened. See, when we truly dealing with the spirit of Christ, and we're truly convinced in our own minds that we're seeking out our own soul salvation, then we become more vigilant about those things. We become more serious. We become more mature. And we learn to watch out for those things and learn what things are evil for us and not, not give ourselves onto it. See, those are all of the things and the nuances of the commandments that Jesus Christ taught us. Because if you go to Matthew's fifth chapter, the Lord talk about where murder comes from. It comes from people just allowing themselves to wallow in their anger, in their spite, in their grudging, until it gets to the point to where now all of the little imaginations that you had in your head 
Now you want to act upon those things. He also covered adultery in Matthew, the fifth chapter, because people only dealing with the letter of the law. He told them, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So he was like, listen, you ain't going to sit back here and play the game of, well, I can dream about you. I can fantasize, but as long as I don't touch you, I'm all right. That's not the spirit of Christ. And those are the type of things that Jesus Christ is dealing with when it comes to repentance and how we are sanctified and abstaining from fornication. But you won't see a lot of churches deal with that. You won't see a lot of preachers deal with that. Some of them will. There are some, there are some congregations, there are some pastors, uh, reverends or bishops or whatever, they will teach the word of the Lord as it is written, but those people are few and far between. They're very few and far between. And you can see it. You look at the so-called, you have shows like Preacher's Daughters, uh, Preachers of L.A., and all these other different shows that you see on television now that are basically the, the talent, so-called, the people that are on these shows, these are uh, very, very proclaimed and self-professed Christians, okay, with doctorates and divinity and the whole, it runs the whole gamut over congregations. But when you read the scriptures and how we're supposed to behave ourselves, how we ought to walk and to please God, and how our sanctification is to abstain from fornication, and we look at the examples, not on TV, <laughs> look at some of the churches that we go to where you have choir leader is either out outwardly gay or he's a closet homosexual. The preacher is dealing with the choir leader, but he also sleeping with some of the women in the church. Okay, while he's married, or even if he ain't married. Okay, a lot of times I just like to show the preacher's daughter, the girls are just going through so called growing pains and just off the hook. But you know, those are things that we're not supposed to be dealing with if we are calling ourselves Christians, not as it is written. People can make up their own stuff. But why is that? I'm going to read real quick. I'm going to read First Thessalonians. We're going to come back to that. I want to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 5, and verse 22. And this is the Lord speaking. He says, Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree, that it cannot pass it? And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail? Though they roar, yet they cannot pass over it? So the Lord is like, listen, you don't understand. You ain't scared of me. I'm the one that set the bounds of the sea. Every year and every summer, you got people going out there in the ocean and drowning. People going out in the boats and the boat capsized and stuff because of the, the ocean or because of the storm. It could even be calm. But the Lord created all of that. The Lord set the bounds of the oceans. He set the bounds of the land. He said, you're not scared of me? I'm the one that I, I made all of this. You're not, you're not scared of me? You don't, you don't really, okay, I got, you got something for you. And he goes in and talks about how the people are. Verse 23, but this people have a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. So it's showing you revolted and rebellious heart, showing you we've always stood against the Lord. We've always turned our backs to him. 
we'll sit there on one hand and say, yeah, we love the Lord. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But when it comes to doing what he requires of us, even after sending his son down here to die for our sins and to be the example for us, we still are rebelling. He said they revolted. We revolted and gone. Meaning not only are we disobedient, we done gone off and did our own thing. We ain't trying to repent. We're not trying to hear what the Lord is saying. We're not trying to hear what the scriptures are saying. We don't want to be corrected. We don't want nobody to tell us we're wrong. I don't want you to read scriptures out of that Bible. I want you to tell me what you think. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to go according to the word of the Lord. Well, I'll close that book. I want to hear what you got to say. Where every prophet and every man of the Lord spoke, thus saith the Lord. It wasn't about what they said. But let's read on. Verse 24. It says, neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So see, people don't consider that it's the Heavenly Father that's feeding us. It's the Heavenly Father that's clothing us. It's the Heavenly Father that allows us to go out and have increase. We think we're doing that by our own power. You know, I spent, you know, I got good grades in high school. I worked very, very hard. You know, I went to college for four years and, you know, graduated summa cum laude, and I went on the master's, and uh, after that, you know, I got my doctorate, and, you know, I'm doing all of these things in my own power. Not understanding that it's the Lord that rules in the kingdom of men. It's the Heavenly Father that put the breath in our lungs and allows us to get up and go to work and do these things on a daily basis. He's the one that gives us the power to provide for our families. But we don't consider that. The Lord said, they ain't even considering. Neither say they in their heart. Let us now fear the Lord. Dang, you know what? The Most High, we're making him angry by doing these things. Maybe we need to stop. No, we ain't stopping. People ain't stopping. None of us are stopping until we get jacked up. But let's read on. Verse 25. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. It's just like the concept of a, a team not understanding that their behavior is what's dictating why they're being, why they're receiving some type of judgment or punishment. So wait a minute. I went in this store and I stole all this stuff. Why am I going to jail? Or a child is going to sit there and and the parents tell them to drink some water and they're going to go and get candy and soda and everything else. Then they want to understand why they don't punish them. Why are you punishing me? Why did this? So-and-so got away with it. Well, what, why are you punishing me? But the Lord said, your iniquities have turned these things and your sins have withholding good things from you. See, we don't even consider that a lot of the hell that we find ourselves in, we bring upon ourselves because of the decisions that we make, because we're breaking the Lord's commandments. A dude don't, a, a man won't understand that, okay, you know what? I'm going to go around here and be a fornicator or a whoremonger. I'm going to go around here and sleep with all these different women and make these babies, but I don't understand how I caught AIDS. I don't understand why I got this STD. I don't understand why I got to pay child support. Man, this thing ain't killing me. I only got a dollar for my paycheck last week. My baby mama tripping. You made the decision to lay with that woman. The Lord says we don't consider these things. But why? 
Verse 26, for among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that set a snares, they set a trap, they catch men. Because, see, you have a lot of wicked people amongst our, pe- our own people. Look just like us. Okay. And he says that what? They lay wait as he that set his snares. Because you got a lot of so-called preachers and pastors that know better that are out teaching for filthy lucre or dirty money, so just false doctrines. You got a lot of con artists out there. And not just a bunch of preachers and pastors that are perverting the word of God. You got a lot of people, they ain't even got the word of God. They're just wicked people. Embezzling money, going out here, fathering all these children, men with these women. And the women are not, uh, they're not uh, excused either, because it takes two to tango. But the way that we deal, the Lord said, among my people are found wicked men. So it's showing you the mindset of a lot of the people that's out there. So not only do you have wicked men that seek to do break the commandments of the Lord and seek to pervert the word of God, but let's read on. He says, for verse 26, for among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that set a snares. They set a trap. They catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they have become great and waxen, waxen rich. And then we sit back and wonder, well, how did all these folks, they teaching all these prosperity doctrines and stuff. And all these, when you see the Bible where the Lord, where Christ talked about getting a whole bunch of money, he talked about how he was going to bless us, but he didn't talk about flying in no planes and stuff. Well, see, they didn't have no airplanes back then, the Rolls Royces. So, you know, this is the modern day horse and chariots and, and going into a whole bunch of madness. The Lord said they are waxing, said what, there's a cage is full of birds. So are the houses full of deceit, showing you they ain't teaching nothing but lies. And it's one thing for the people to sit back and point the finger and talk about, hey, they ain't teaching the right thing, but let's read on. Because a lot of people that are associated with these wicked men that are teaching these false doctrines, they ain't blameless either. And it's going to prove that. Verse 29, because the Lord said what? Excuse me, I skipped, actually, I skipped the verse 28. It said, they are waxing fat. They shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper. And the right of the needy, they do not judge. So the Lord is showing us that these people, why did he say that they overpass the deeds of the wicked? The reason why he said that these people overpass the deeds of the wicked is because they're the ones that's supposed to know better. They're the ones that actually know better and are teaching the, and perverting the word of God. But it goes on. He says, shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? So you got all this madness and stuff going on amongst our own people. And he's talking, he's talking about a lot of the leaders of our people that are not judging the cause of the fatherless. Okay? I mean, they're not standing up and doing the things that they're supposed to do. And he's not talking about everybody. You got some people that actually do what they can out of the goodness of their heart based on what they know. We ain't talking about them. 
okay? This is talking about the ones that know better and that are perverting the word. And he says that it's a wonderful and a horrible thing. That's how they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They ain't just out there just a common thief. They ain't just somebody out here just so-called doing what they so-called got to do to make ends meet. These people know better. But guess what? In 31, the Lord said what? That the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means. Showing you, you got people out here with all, every wind of doctrine going into universalism, going into the, the secret, name it and claim it. All these different things. Well, you're not here to, to come and get shared. You're here to help me and Taffy to, uh, uh, prosper our vision. Where in the heck do you see that in the Bible? He's like, wait a minute, who's that? Yeah, Crestwood Dollar said that. These priests, they bear rule by their means, you know, whatever their so-called vision is that so-called came from God or that other fool that uh, the, the brother did the show on Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor a few weeks ago, this other fool that was trying to get have people send in $250, okay? You can go get a $2 Bible out of Walmart. This fool wants to put a Bible. We're going to put the Bible in the walls of the church. We're going to build this big old church. And we're going to put the Bible in the walls of the church, and we're going to put them in the floors, and the spirit of the God is just all types of madness. And you would think that the people would be abhorred and upset about it, but he said, and my people love to have it so. So we can't sit back and just point the finger only at the people that are supposed to know better. You got the ones that's following him knowing that he's teaching madness, and they love to have it so. And that's what you see in a lot of these churches. We love to see our preacher and our pastor and our bishop rolling around in a Rolls Royce. He's supposed to have a big house. He's supposed to have a helicopter and ride around in luxury and have a pinky ring. Supposed to. Make me feel good. Make me, I like, I like the people do good. Make me want to do good. What does that have to do with the word of God? Absolutely nothing. But he said that my people love to have it so. That's why the Lord said that the blind, the blind leading the blind, that they're going to both fall in the ditch, lest they repent. So let's jump back to First Thessalonians 4. So just going back, because the sad part about it is you have people that are flocking to these, you know, these institutions. I ain't even going to call them a church, but to these institutions and they're not being taught how to be sanctified. They're not being taught how to cleanse themselves from the sins that they're committing. They're not being taught, hey, you know what? This is what the Bible says about, you know, me needing to work on my anger. This is what the scripture says about me how, uh, showing me how I need to love my wife. A wife showing her how she needs to love her husband is showing the parents how they're supposed to conduct each other, how they're supposed to raise the children. Young men and young women showing them how they're supposed to deal. Mm-mm, no, no, we don't want none of that. We like that dirt. We don't want to be sanctified from that. We don't want to abstain from fornication. But that's what the scripture says. So let's read on. So this is back in First Thessalonians 4 and 3. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. And see, I had even touched on the whole LGBTQ. Okay, yes, there's a Q at the end of that now. You got lesbian, 
gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. Okay, just that whole agenda that's being pushed. Okay, in in, in the world right now, because here it is in Atlanta. You know, the uh, fire chief actually just got fired. There's a big controversy. He's a deacon at a Southern Baptist church, and I can't uh, recall his name just right off the top of my head. I might get that after the break. But um, here it is. You had a, a fire chief here in Atlanta that uh, is a deacon at a church, and he just got fired from his job. And a lot of the controversy basically hinged upon a book that he wrote that was basically condemning homosexuality. So, you know, actually, and we actually, there's a show coming up very soon uh, on the virtual living room uh, on that sub very subject. So y'all be on the lookout for that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, you have that whole thing. Then you had Michael Sam, the, the, uh, the first um, openly gay active football player. Then you had the, the, the other guy that was the, um, first openly gay basketball player coming out. I can't, I mean, it's too many names to remember. But the thing is, is that you've got that whole agenda. All this behavior that falls up under that same bill of fornication that we're supposed to cleanse ourselves from and be sanctified from, that whole spirit, people are embracing that thing now. And it's not about so-called judging anyone. It's not about condemning someone to death. But when you look at repentance, it's about correction. It's about the mercy that we wish all of us have received from the Heavenly Father for basically allowing us the space to repent from those things and the faith that we can do that and that we continue in that sanctified spirit of his and not go back into those things that the Bible calls sin. That's what the gospel is about. That's what a forgiveness is. We can't get forgiveness if we continue to do the things that cause us to, to get jacked up in the first place. How can I get forgiven from a sin if I continue in that same sin? It doesn't work that way. So in verse 4, he says that what? That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So the honor that he's talking about is the honor that we get from the Heavenly Father in Christ when we do his will. Not the honor that this world gives us for emboldening people, okay, encouraging people to to go further into their sins. And say, no, well, that's what you call the sin. People people haven't opened their Bible up and started reading. Because, see, on one hand, it's socially acceptable for a man to sow his seeds or for a woman to plow a field, if you will. Okay. Once upon a time, it wasn't socially acceptable for a woman to deal on the same in the same light as a man, meaning to go out and have as many male sexual partners as she would like to have. But nowadays it's like, listen, it's an even playing field, baby. It's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. So just because certain things were, you know, taboo, now hey, this is a new day. We don't have to go to the Blue Oyster Bar and into wherever to into little cuts and to the and nooks and crannies or whatever to do our dirt. We out in the open now. It's all it's all out in the open, and now people want to so-called have morals. Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now we we wasn't talking about that. So just because one thing was being socially unacceptable, but now 
<laughs> the way history has it, the pendulum is swinging the other way. And you got a lot of people that so-called don't want to be found on the wrong side of history when this thing comes full circle. But you go back to what we're reading here. It says that this is the will of God and even our sanctification that we should abstain from fornication and that every one of us should know how to possess our vessel. I read verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. Because concupiscence is going into ex- extreme sexual lust and things of that nature. When you had like... um. Like, they used to have temples dedicated to some of these Greek gods and stuff. And even some of the gods like Dagon and Baal and going into some of the gods of the other nations, where they would just have the temple whores, they'd just be sitting out there, just posted up, and you can just go in and get your rocks off and go on and do your thing and sacrifice whatever and go on about your business. So now they're not really necessarily doing that, but you have these same things that are, that are embraced in this world. As, as good, or these are rites of passage. And he said that what? The people that are that are engaged in these acts, the scripture says straight out that they know not God. Because you had people, the people that were Gentiles basically going to the people that were out in the world and were not dealing with, with the scriptures and the gospel. He said that they know not God. So how can I as a Christian, someone that calls myself a Christian, continue in that behavior and claims to say and fix my mouth to say that, oh, yes, I know God. We can't. That's being a hypocrite. That's what the scriptures call being a hypocrite. So we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back. And uh, we're going to deal a little bit more in First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. So y'all hold tight and stay tuned. We'll be right back. The Body of Christ Church Radio Network broadcasts seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the BOCC. Listen to our archive broadcasts or check us out while we are live on the air. Come and visit us in the virtual living room at 2 o'clock p.m. on Sundays where we examine current topics according to the scriptures. Are you looking for the truth? Can you handle the truth? Find out on Mondays at 8 o'clock p.m. It doesn't matter what church you attend or philosophy you believe, take the challenge to see are you smarter than your pastor on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. The world is engrossed in darkness, but it shall be destroyed by the light. Check out From Darkness to Light at 7 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays where all manner of witchcraft, occult practices, and Satanism is exposed for what it is. Before the light comes, it's time to awake on Thursdays at 8 o'clock p.m. If you are seeking salvation, listen to Repentance is the Key, Fridays at 7 o'clock p.m. And after you've listened to all of these shows, find out how we will become kings and priests Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. All shows are on Eastern Standard Time. Remember to check out The Body of Christ Church seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the B-O-C-C. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash T-H-E-B-O-C-C. Shalom.
All righty, all righty. Welcome back to the Repentance is the Key. For those of you who are just joining us, my name is the host, your host, the brother Abaja. And uh, tonight's episode, we're actually just touching on uh, the book of First Thessalonians and the four, uh, chapter 4 and really just dealing with how we as adults ought to behave ourselves. I should say we as Christians, you know, because we have, a, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people that call themselves Christians or will identify themselves as Christians, but, you know, it sadly it just runs the, the gamut as far as, okay, well, what kind of Christian are you? Are you a uh, a Christian that believes in Santa Claus? Are you a Christian that believes in keeping uh, the Sabbath day on Saturday? Uh, what kind of Christian are you? So, you know, the thing that we're focusing on this evening is really just, number one, how we ought to behave ourselves. And, uh, oh, I think I got somebody uh, – Coming in here. Hold on one second. Hey, Shalom, bro. Most high in Christ bless. Hey, Shalom, bro. Most high in Christ bless you, man. Just hey, uh, calling in just to help you out a little bit, bro. Um, heard you, you know, see you was doing it by yourself, so just calling. I'll pray you, bro. Well, I, it was kind of a last minute thing, so you know that, that's probably oh, not okay. my fault. But uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't call anybody. I didn't want to put nobody out there. But um, I'll pray. It's cool. Glad, glad you're here, bro. All right, bro. Glad you're here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how much of the show you actually heard earlier, but, um, you know, like I said, yeah, I was, I was in the first Thessalonians 4. Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Okay. So, um, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, touch on since, uh, you know, since you're here, but you just wanted to um, help out? No, not yet. Um, if I have something, I'll bring okay. it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll probably just in. All right. And um, so I'm going back in the first Thessalonians. And um, okay, so I stopped at verse five. Actually, just read um, read verses six through um, six to uh, through ten. All right, what chapter again? Uh, First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. All right, so First Thessalonians four six. It says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed, ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Right. So after after Paul dealt with the whole thing about, you know, how we're supposed to behave ourselves and to, you know, be sanctified in the Lord by abstaining from fornication and how we're supposed to possess our vessels, he goes into, you know, dealing from a different aspect about not defrauding our brother. Okay, because you got some people that just straight out thieves. Okay, oh, you got them embezzlement schemes or pyramid schemes. Okay, defrauding their brother. Or even like we were dealing with earlier, how you got some of these, you know, these preachers that are teaching for filthy lucre, selling these people a pipe dream. But we already read back in Jeremiah, the fifth chapter, the Lord says, what? My people love to have it so. So it's just one little endless cycle of 
one thing, one hand washing the other. Okay. But he says that what? That Christians, people that call themselves Christians, are not supposed to deal that way. He says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have forewarned you and testified. Because there were examples of people that tried to defraud someone, or people that lied about certain things, or lied about things in, in business, and the Lord judged them for that. Because who was uh, that um, that couple in the Book of Acts that that sold their property and held back part of the money and, and lied yeah. about it? Yep, that was Ananias. Yep. No, and Sapphira. Yep. And 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 the crazy thing about that story <laughs> is that when they came before you know before the apostles, he told them straight. He was like, "Listen, that stuff belonged to you, and it was in your power to do what what you wanted to with it. You didn't have to bring any of it here, but for you yep. to bring this money and act like you selling all of this stuff or everything you had." Just for the, the the sake of being you know seen have seen a certain way in the sight of men, it's like nah man we don't deal that way and the Lord judges them for both of them the husband and the wife, you know so he's showing us that we're not supposed to deal that way, we're not supposed to deal deceitfully with with each other especially in matters of uh, anyway but in, especially in matters of business because the Most High is going to work that thing out, and that's what we don't want. We rather deal right from the beginning. Because in verse 7, he says, For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So all the little conniving and maneuvering and backbiting and wheeling and dealing and stuff that we used to do, however we were in our so-called former lives, those are not the things that we're supposed to bring into the church and hold on to. Because the thing is, I say we're not supposed to bring it to the church, meaning that when we come in to this, you know, we're first seeking out the understanding of repentance through Christ, you know, we're going to be dealing with all kinds of things. But the point of the matter is that as we're learning to repent, we're not supposed to stay that way. You know, as we're learning what's right and what's wrong in the sight of God, as it is written, those are the things that we're supposed to abstain from. Those are the things that we're supposed to distance ourselves from, not be emboldened to go further into it and let it fester in the church. That's not how we're supposed to deal. And, and the funny thing is, in verse 8, he says, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Because people will look at it and say, well, that's what you're talking about. That's what you said. That ain't what my God told me. But that ain't not, that's not how I feel. And... and and a lot of times when it comes to just correction in general, dealing with the Bible, people will look at it as the person standing in front of them, giving their own opinion about how they feel something should be. When you, you read, you read it line for line out of the scriptures, there ain't no so-called private interpretation. There ain't no twist in the scripture. We can go to another place in the Bible and it says the same thing. We can go to another place in, in the Old Testament. It says the exact same thing. Is consistent from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Um, can I bring Wait. something out real quick? Sure. Go right ahead. Okay. All right. So, yeah, you know, just right on um, point to what you're saying, you know, let's go to um, Ephesians 4. Because, mm-hmm. like, the thing is, um, you know, like all of us, we have to realize that, um, you know, we were born – 
with a wicked spirit, you know, and a wicked mind and imagination. You know, that that's what the Lord says about man when we read in Genesis. And that's all of us, you know. So now, you know, when we're hearing or learning about the true understanding of Christ, we have to um, put away, you know, our that wicked mind that we were born with. We got to work at, you know, getting better each and every day. And, you know, mm-hmm. these are some of the things that we're going over in First uh, Thessalonians 4. But this is just going to say that. Um, so I'll read Ephesians 4. And, I don't um, read yeah, I read uh, 23 and 24. Okay, this is uh, Ephesians. Actually, I'm sorry, start at 22. Yeah, 22, okay. Sorry. All right, Ephesians 4 and 22. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Okay, so stop. So it's telling us that we should put off concerning the former conversation, uh, meaning our former lifestyle that we, you know, how the way how we used to live which is corrupt according to our deceitful lust. Because a lot of us, you know, we go by the lust that's in our mind. That's how we live our lives, you know. And if we say that now we're being reformed or people are in churches or whatever saying that they're reformed, they got to drop that thinking. They got to drop that old way of thinking because we were going according to our own lust that basically tricked us, that's, that we're deceived. Mm-hmm. Right? So read 23. All right, verse 23. It says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So it's saying to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So that's when we have to put on that new spiritual mind, that mind of Christ, and not the uncleanness that you were just bringing out, not the fornication, you know, mm-hmm. because Christ, when you look at the real Christ in the Bible, not the Christ that's being taught out in the world, the real Christ in the Bible, he didn't have that mindset, you know, so we have to work at getting that mindset that Christ has. So that's why it's saying, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, because none of us was born with the mindset that Christ has. We have to mm-hmm. now work ourselves into that. So that's why it's saying being renewed in the spirit of your mind. So read verse 24. Verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So then it says, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So when you look in the beginning in Genesis, everybody knows this. It says that God made man in his own image. All right? So when God made man on the earth, he made them to be just like how he is, holy and righteous. But man, because he was born with a wicked mind, went off, went into sin, and that's why we see the world the way how it is now. But now that he's mm-hmm. in Christ, he's show, Christ has shown us the true way how to be, and here he's saying that now you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, going back to how he originally created us, not in fornication, not in the uncleanness. And that's how, you know, we have to walk, which is the title of this blog talk or whatever, how we ought to walk, 
This is how mm-hmm. we ought to walk. After that new man, after the true image of the true Christ that's in the Bible. So, you know, I just wanted to bring that out because, you know, some people might look at it saying, okay, well, I don't have any issues. That's not me. But that's that's all of us, you know. So mm-hmm. well, that was it for now, yeah. No, I'll raise it, bro. Because um, that actually had me thinking about, um, you know, just a, just a whole thing about how a lot of times when we start reading the scriptures, you know, we're teaching ourselves as well. You know, this exactly. is basically exhortation for myself. You know, when right, I start exactly. reading these things, even when I'm teaching, because it's, it's a reminder. It's like, hey, right. you guys don't, don't, don't be up there just running your mouth and, and puffing your chest out. You have to, you're responsible even more so for following this because you right. know better. You're held accountable. You know, mm-hmm. so it's not just about, you know, just up to, us up there blowing off some hot air or whatever. Yeah, see, them some brothers out there on that corner again teaching that, yelling at the people. Mm-mm. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Just real quick, I want to go to Second uh, Timothy chapter two, and uh, let's read verses twenty-four straight through to verse twenty-six. All right, Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty-four. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. And see, this is the reason why any any person that claims to be a Christian, if they have the ability to go into this Bible and edify people, with the word of God, this is why we're supposed to do it. It ain't about beating people across the head with the scriptures. It ain't about embezzling and stealing money from people. It ain't about gathering up as many people into a congregation where we got the praise squad, we got the Davidic dance uh, group, and we got a huge choir. We just got new robes for the choir last week, and we're going on tour and this, that, and other. <laughs> if, if the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, and keeping the commandments according to the word of God as it is written, so be it. All praises. <laughs> you know, but when people put more emphasis on the outward appearance and those things, then rather than what we as individuals are supposed to be doing so that when we come together collectively, the spirit of the Lord is also there, then we have a problem. But it says that the servant of the Lord must not strive. So it's not about you know, sitting here going back and forth, arguing with people or trying to put on a display of knowledge about how much I know the scriptures better than somebody. It's not about that. It's not about striving. Okay. It's not about, you know, trying to prove a point. The heavenly father is right and everybody else is wrong. That's it. But it says, but be gentle unto all men. And let's understand something. When it says be gentle unto all men, that doesn't mean that, you don't tell people that they're breaking the Lord's commandments. It doesn't mean that I sit back and see that you're doing something wrong according to the scriptures and not bringing out according to the word of God. Oh, well, is this wrong? Yes, that is incorrect. 
this is what the Bible says about that. But not only is that what the Bible says about this particular act, it also shows us how we can recover ourselves from it. It shows us how we can repent from it. That's what the Lord was talking about, dealing with judgment, mercy, and faith. We got. We have to. It's required of us to deal with all three. We have to deal with the judgment of the heavenly Father. We have to deal with the judgments for breaking the commandments. We have to deal with the judgments of sin. But notwithstanding, that has to be coupled with the mercy that we receive through Jesus Christ, because that's what the gospel was. Meaning that, yeah, if we continue in those sins, we will receive the judgment of God. Believe that. Is that thus saith the Lord? It's written in the Bible through and through. But if we repent from those acts and repent from that mindset and follow the example of Jesus Christ, that's how we receive mercy. And as long as we continue on that path, that straight and narrow path, and have that faith, that's what's going to allow allow us to receive the kingdom of heaven when the Lord returns. But some people, they just focus on the judgment. Some people, they just focus on the mercy. Some people just focus on the faith. You know, all I got to do is confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And with my last dying breath, and I'm going to make it to heaven. You don't see that in the scriptures. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's showing you, it says, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken, taken captive by him at his will. Because a lot of people don't understand how to stop doing the things that we're doing. They have no control. They, have, they can't find any way out. Some people actually sincerely want to stop doing what they're doing. And what we're talking about, we ain't talking about, you know, so-called bad habits. I ain't talking about somebody that has a, um, you know, a eating disorder or something like that. Even though the scriptures do address, you know, temperance and balance and, you know, and, and dealing with stuff like that. But, okay, I've I got a problem, man. I, I just like dealing with a whole bunch of women and I just can't stop. I like dealing with men and I just can't stop. I just, I, I, I don't know. And not understanding that it's through the spirit of Christ, that's where we get our strength to stop dealing with the sins and the lust of our flesh. Because other than that, we have no defense. Number one, we, we don't have any defense from the lust of our flesh. We can't protect ourselves from ourselves unless we are dealing with the spirit of Jesus Christ. And unless we are truly and sincerely trying to repent from our sins. Other than that, it's like, listen, Whenever Satan want to come along and do his thing with you, <laughs> hey, it's open season. And there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing that we can do about it. The Lord can do something about it, but we of our own power can't. And those yeah. are the things that we teach. You know, that's the whole thing about repentance. But um, let me um, bring out a scripture on that real quick, too. Go ahead, bro. Um, just on what you said, um, let's go to uh, John six, and we'll read. Uh, okay. We'll read sixty-three. Now, this is um, this is Jesus Christ Himself talking and making the statement. Because just like what you were saying a while ago, that you know some people 
genuinely want to stop, but we just got to realize that, you know, it's through Jesus Christ and his words and his understanding is how we're going to be able to stop. Um, Mm -hmm. So read read John 6 and 63 for me because, and before you read it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, people just got to keep this in mind too because, you know, you have some people, they might go to like certain therapy classes or do yoga or get get involved in other stuff just trying to break, you know, whatever habits or things that they're doing or whatever and then they're not able to do it. You know, mm-hmm. but then there's a there's a reason for that because those are you know what the scriptures call carnal things, you know that mm-hmm. people are going about to fix it and that's not going to do anything. So read John six and sixty three. All right, Saint John six and sixty three. It is the spirit that quickeneth; the flesh profiteth nothing. You want me to read on? Yeah, read on. Yep. Okay. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. All right. Now, before I explain this, go to John 15 and read okay. 3, because it's going to bring it out further. All right. St. John, chapter 15, verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So that was Christ talking. It says, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So the clean is not just, you know, talking about washing your body type clean. The clean is talking about our minds being cleansed. And Mm -hmm. we clean up our acts and our minds based on the words that Christ left us, which is found in the Bible. So going back to John 6 and 63, when it says it is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. So when people do things, you know, according to the flesh, you know, like the meditation or the yoga or whatever else that they might be getting into, that's not going to profit you anything and it's not going to do anything. The words that Christ spoke unto us, they are spirit in their life. That's what makes us Alive. That's what brings us back to that life that you know he told us how to how to be. That and that's the mm-hmm. that's what the word quickeneth means. Also, it's like to make alive because if we're not living according to his words and to his understanding, we're basically you know we're dead. We're considered dead in his eyes. But when we start to do his words, and that's what brings us that life, and that's the you know that's the true fix to whatever issues a person might have, you know? So mm. that was it. I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, that's, that's good. Uh, Cause um, actually I was, I'm, I'm sitting here going, uh, going back and forth with, uh, with another brother who may join us, but, um, but oh, yeah, okay. you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the word of the heavenly father is here to help us repent. And, and to you know help us escape the sins and the lusts of the flesh. It's not here for us to for people to abuse other people with that you see you see that happening. It's not here right. to be used as a uh, device for filthy lucre. You know, as you see in a lot of these so-called prosperity churches and doctrines and things of that nature. And it's not here to condemn people to, to hell with no hope of you know of recovering themselves out of their out of their transgressions. You know, because some people, they'll get so discouraged and thinking that, you know, 
because I think what was it uh, here, like not too long ago, um, you had a, a young man that was like, I believe he was like 16 or 17, and um, you know he basically was effeminate. And he'd actually come out as, you know, to his parents as being open, you know, as being gay. And his parents were like, hell no. You know, we raised you according to the Bible, and that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, long story short, you know, unfortunately, the young man took his life. And basically, you know, parents are being put on blast and everything. So we, I think we'll probably cover that um, sometime in the near future. You know, just kind of going through the scriptures, dealing with that subject matter. But the word of God is not here for us to be condemned to the point that we just feel like we have to take our own lives. Okay. You can read anywhere in the scriptures where Christ said, just, well, if you ain't going pit, just damn die. Okay. <laughs> you just, just die. Cause you're just going to burn in hell. Just go, just go, just go on and end your life right now. Cause you're going up. I'll see you in hell. You don't see that. Nope. You don't see that. So, you know, that's something that, you know, that people have to be mindful of is that the word of the Lord is here to heal us. Oh, it's definitely here for correction. Okay. Don't get it twisted. It is here to correct us and tell us that according to the Bible, X, Y, Z is wrong and we need to repent. But it shows us how to repent. And the love of God is what's going to sustain us and help us through those things and allow us to help us stand. So let me see something real quick. Um, I think we got the brother Kabar uh, getting ready to come in. Hold on a second. Uh, All right. Let me see if I can get this thing working. Hey, Kabar, you live on the uh, fence with the key. How's it going? Most high Christ bless. Hey, sh- most high Christ bless everybody. Shalom. How's everybody Shalom. doing? Good, bro. Doing all right, bro. I, I, I was telling Barack that uh, I kind of did a show on the spur of the moment. So... You know, <laughs> that's why I kind of wasn't advertised, but I definitely appreciate the company. Oh, definitely. I definitely. I was in, just sitting back enjoying the show listening. Um, you're dealing with the topic of, you know, how we're supposed to behave ourselves, and I especially like the point that you hit about the question that we even have to ask nowadays as far as what kind of Christian are you? You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And then the points that Barack hit about, you know, how really is the cleansing of the mind through the scripture, that cleansing of the mind through the words that Christ spoke to us is how we're going to get ourselves in line so that we are behaving according to what's actually written in the Bible. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to add, you know, the fact that, you know, growing up and there's a whole bunch of influences that you have to deal with. Young children and from elementary, junior high school, high school, even we as adults, even even as parents, there's always influences out there. Besides all of those influences out there, you have your own mind that wants to take you completely in the wrong direction. It's like whatever the Bible says, it's a guarantee that our minds, our carnal, natural minds, without the aid of the scriptures, is going to take us in the opposite direction. The reason that's going to happen is because partly what the brother was bringing out was we live in a world that is controlled by the God of this world. And the God of this world is Satan, the devil. And there's a prince, he's the prince of the power of the air, and there's a course that this world goes in. 
So the thing is, without any effort on your own, you can just be swept up in that course and effortlessly be committing things and going into all other things. And you're just thinking, well, this is just the way it is. But in order to really steady ourselves and deal with this repentance, deal with the cleansing of our minds, deal with uh, learning how to behave, it all comes down to thus saith the Lord as it is written in the scriptures. You know, the catch-all, all, uh, the master filter that we all need to pay attention to because God all these influences, but how do we filter it so that the end result, the end product of what's actually what we're going to take into our minds is the right thing? And I just wanted to mention here Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. Um, I can't mm-hmm. read it right now because I'm driving, but Isaiah 8 and oh, 20 read. tells you, okay, Give me a second. Let me grab it real quick. Oh, I didn't realize you were on the road, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got it about. I got it about just you. I'm gonna read it. Um. Okay. Yeah. I, I just pulled it up, but you can go ahead. All, All right. You can, Baja. You can pull up uh, uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. But go ahead, Barack. Okay. All right. So this is Isaiah 8 and 20. It says to the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. So when we look at that scripture, to the law and to the testimony, and one key thing you have to understand is once you begin to understand what that scripture is even talking about, the entire Old Testament, which actually goes seamlessly into the New Covenant, New Testament in Christ, is that law and that testament is embodied completely in Jesus Christ? Okay, it came from Him through the mo- through Him from the Most High. It came to us. So when you read in uh, John, I believe eight and thirty-two, or mm-hmm. uh, it's in the Book of John, when Christ says, "Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which what testify of Me." The whole Bible is the testimony dealing with Jesus Christ. It's, it's the end point, the beginning and end point of everything. So in order for us to filter out all of the madness and the stimuli and the and the things that's coming at us every day, we've got to line it up with the law and the testimony, which is we've got to line it up with Christ and the understanding that he gave us. Because it's Christ's understanding from Genesis to Revelation. It's not it's mm-hmm. not something different. It's not something different. Christ why isn't it anything different? Matthew seventeen excuse me, Matthew five seventeen, Christ said that no not one jot or one tittle shall pass. All right? He 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 lived a sinless life. So Christ was the embodiment of that law and the testimony and we coming out of you know, the former conversation, the former life that we used to live in order to day by day keep ourselves on course from all of the things that's trying to knock us off and lead us astray is we got to filter it through the law and the testimony, through the scriptures. So mm-hmm. that, that's, the, that's the main thing we got to have in our mind. Okay, we, okay we, gotta, we got this woman is coming at me. I got these lusts. I have these desires. How am I supposed to look at this? What am I supposed to, you know, how do I get some kind of grounded and settled on 
we're not supposed to be thinking about. Well, go into the scriptures and deal with that. Well, you got this issue dealing with abortion. What's my position on that? Well, go into the scriptures and deal with that. Well, I got you know this this guy on my job or this you know these you know people's acting uh, evil or doing wicked things toward me. How am I supposed to deal with that? Well, go into the scriptures. That's how you filter everything that's going on in your life so that the final outcome, the product of the way you're going to think about it and then the way you're going to act uh, about it is going to be scriptural according to Jesus Christ. You know, mm. um, on, on on another issue as far as how we're supposed to behave ourselves, because you mentioned, of course, you know, you got the churches leading people astray, prosperity doctrine. You have preachers who Christ said to Peter, if you love me, to do what? Feed my sheep. Ask them that three mm-hmm. times. That's, that's what you're there for. But you'll have a preacher stand and say, no, you ain't here to come get fed. You, you're here to fulfill my vision. Well, that's completely mm-hmm. opposite of Jesus Christ. Now, you have a stadium full of people who will listen to that and cheer it on when it is diametrically opposed to what he is supposed to be doing as a preacher. So mm-hmm. what's the problem there? You have, you have a major problem there. Um, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, if you have that, bro. I got it. Um, Acts 17 and 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So here's Paul. Now, Paul is, I mean, who who is on any one of us or any man walking around today? Who's on the level of Paul? You know what I mean? Or who had his understanding? So he's leaving Thessalonica, and he gives a certain report that he bared about them. And when he got to Berea, he let that report out because he saw a difference in the way that the people and the brethren in Berea received, received the scriptures as opposed to the ones in Thessalonica. And they received it with all readiness, and they did what? They believed everything Paul said because he was Paul. No, they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. So if Paul, okay, Paul brought out many things according to the scriptures, but these brothers and sisters went into the scriptures to make sure, yeah, that is lining up. This was supposed to be the Savior supposed to come to us. He was going to teach us how to live our life through repentance. He was going to teach us the, the commandments of the Lord and how to truly apply them. All of these things that he's bringing out, Paul the Apostle is bringing out, we can go and find chapter and verse where it's actually written. Now, Paul didn't get offended like, listen, I said it is true. No, he saw that's the way you're supposed to be. It ain't true because I'm saying it and I'm Paul. It's true because thus saith the Lord Jesus Christ in the most high. That's why it's true. So here it is when you're preaching, your pastor saying something, are you going into the scriptures to see whether those things are so? And if not, and if they're not lining up, are you bringing it out and, and, and making it known like, listen, these things that you're saying, I can't find them in the Bible. What's going on here? Or are you just going along with it? Because we just did a show last week on uh, Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor? As a matter of fact, Tuesday, uh, dealing with Tabernacle Baptist Church. That's who it was. Go ahead. Please expound on that, brother. Please go into that. Yeah, so Tabernacle Baptist Church, and that's basically uh, even one of the members there uh, made a comment that, people who say, oh, that's that gay church. 
So basically, a, a lot of the congregants there are homosexuals and lesbians. And one of the elders there, uh, Bishop Grimes, um, used to be a gay porn star called mm-hmm. Bobby Blake. Okay, and uh, uh, apparently when you when you go to you can go to the live binder. We have a follow up show coming up next Tuesday. Um, he he doesn't renounce being a homosexual, and nobody in that church does. They say actually God made us this way. And God didn't make any mistakes. <laughs> this is what's said, mm-hmm. and this is what's taught in that church and in many other churches. Many other churches may not be openly gay like that so-called church, but they preach, well, you, you have love and acceptance. This is, what, this is the banner that it comes under, love and acceptance. Now, the scriptures, we may come as we are to the church, but we're not supposed to stay that way, Okay. We're supposed to bring forth, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, meaning, okay, you as a homosexual, all right, you come to the church because you're trying to learn about, okay, you, the Bible says this is the wrong way to live. How do I get right? Okay, what's wrong? What's going on with me in my mind that I'm following this, this lifestyle? Not, hey, you, it's okay. God made you that way. That's a gift from God. That's a complete lie. God didn't make us that way. He made Adam and Eve. God says in Leviticus 20.13 and Romans 1.27 that that lifestyle is an abomination, just like murder is an abomination, just like thieving is an abomination, just like filthy lucre is an abomination. Okay? So no one's singling out being gay, but it's showing you sin, the, the wages of sin, period, is death to come out of that. So... We need to be able to filter everything that's coming out of us, excuse me, coming at us in the world and from our own minds, mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah 8 and 20, through the scriptures, the law and testimony of Jesus Christ. And then when we are being taught certain things, we got to search the scriptures for ourselves to make sure it's actually written there. And if not, we stay away. And if it is written there, we apply it. So, you know, I'm I'm just, you know, going through these things because, you know, as a man growing up, young man, becoming an adult, getting married, having a family, and raising children, you know, when I teach my children, like, listen, I'm not trying to lock my children in the house. I know they got to be in the world but not of the world. So I have to right. teach them, listen, let me teach you how to think. Let me teach you how to filter the things that you see and that you hear and that you think about. Let me teach you how to do that. So whether I'm there or not, you're going to be able to rely on the Most High Christ and the Scriptures and be able to navigate for yourself. That's what we need to be able to do. Mm. And and it's kind of funny because um, <laughs> we we were hanging we were hanging out with uh, with like uh you know just like some some folks or whatever. And um, one dude goes. He was talking about a church, you know, similar to the one that you were just talking about, where there were a bunch of um, basically the preacher was openly gay and everybody there was just openly gay and they, you know, having a good old time. And he was vexed, and he was like, "What in what on God's green earth possesses them? You know, is going to possess them to make them think that they can have a church when the Bible says that it's wrong?" And uh, I think Alcaraz just happened to be there that he was there that night. He was like, "Well." 
What possesses fornicators to think that they can have a church? It's the same thing. What possesses people that, that are thieves and, and embezzlers? The same thing, that the same hypocrisy that you see in a lot of these churches now is the same thing with the type of churches that you were just talking about. Because it's like, okay, well, you got all these fornicators and adulterers up in the church and ain't nobody correcting them. Ain't nobody saying nothing about knowing that the preacher's sleeping with with the with some with two women in the choir. Know this man running around on his wife. Knowing his daughter is going around being the, the whore on earth. And ain't nobody saying nothing. Everybody's turning a blind eye. With all the hypocrisy that's not being addressed or corrected in a lot of the churches that we have today. But you got the gall to point the finger at somebody that's a homosexual because they want a church when it's all abomination according to the word of God. So because of that hypocrisy that has basically been allowed to go on for such, well, for millennia, if you will, it's like, listen, it's a different day and age now. This this thing is gathering steam. It's picking up momentum. You know, when it was explained that way, then it's kind of like, okay, you know what? Now I begin to understand. Now I see why, you know, things are pretty much just just kind of just going buck wild right about now. And any and everybody, you know, people getting married and everything. And, again, like you said, it's not to single out people that are, you know, living that lifestyle or people that identify themselves as LBGT, um, anyway, lesbian, gay, bigender, transgender, bisexual, queer, whatever. But this is showing you the hypocrisy that has been going on in the so in a lot of these so-called Christian churches. And again, the things that were so-called socially acceptable are the things that you could conveniently turn a blind eye to are the things that people love to have. So <laughs> it's getting ready to <laughs> change, you know, so that's something that we have to be conscious of. But when we are dealing with the word of God, the way that we're supposed to, then none of those things matter. Because regardless of how you come in, we all moving in the same direction to be formed after the image of Christ. That's what repentance is about. So, brothers, I'm sitting, I'm running out of time here, a little short. Um, did either one of you have any closing words that you wanted to, uh, you know, to uh, leave the people with before we leave out for the evening? Well, you know what, just on um, what I was saying a while ago, I was just looking at the scripture here, James uh, chapter 2, because um, it's right on point. You know, people love to um, point out, you know, oh, they're gay and they're homosexual. How can they have a church? And But then the church that they go to, you know, you have fornicators and all that other stuff. But people like to put certain sins into like a hierarchy. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the eyes of God, that that's not the case. So I'll just read this real quick. Um, James 2, uh, 10 through 12. And this is going to bring the point out that is hypocrisy that we can't deal with. James 2, verse 10, it says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. So it's that whole thing that, you know, people love to say, oh, uh, don't judge, or are you going to be condemned? But then they themselves are doing that, because they might be doing mm-hmm. some other sin, 
that they're not looking at. But the same mouth that says, okay, when a man lays with another man like he lies with a woman, it's an abomination, also said that fornication is wrong. This That came out of the same mouth, you know, when you look at it. When... When you look at when that was given, when it was written down, when it was given to Moses, the same Lord spoke those words. It was the same person that spoke with the same mouth. So people just have to look at that and say, okay, well, how can I reform my way? And also, you know, if tell other people that we're seeing um, whatever they're doing wrong, just tell them what they're doing wrong also. But we can't put a hierarchy on it. And just like what Kabar was saying, you know, it's just so weird and just so messed up because the way how we're born and how the world is and everything, all all that stuff just pushes pushes sin, you know, because Satan is in, in, in control mm-hmm. of this world. And our minds push that. You know what I'm saying? So this is what, you know, we just got to be focused on these things. So that was it, bro. All right. I know Kabar is just getting getting home to his family and everything. Um, Kabar, you got any uh, last words, or are you good for the evening? Yeah, I just yeah, I just pulled in. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the scripture says that we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things done in the flesh. So, you know, at the at the end of the day, you can't blame your pastor, or your preacher, or the world, or the lust of the flesh, or anything like that, because each of us, each individual has that responsibility to repent and follow Jesus Christ in order to receive the kingdom. So, you know, we have to keep that in mind. And, you know, the grace of the most high in order to have access to that grace, we have to be doing it through repentance in Christ. So that's, you know, that's my word to everybody and myself. All right. All right. So we want to, give all praises and thanks to the Heavenly Father in Christ, you know, to be able to preach his holy word again as the Lord's Sabbath is in full swing, at least here on the East Coast anyway. Um, I'd like to thank both of you brothers for coming in. You know, good to see you, good to hear from you. <laughs> Lord will, we know we'll have the opportunity to do more shows in the future. So, you know, with that again, giving all praise and thanks to the Heavenly Father in Christ, and with that, we'll say Shalom. Shalom. shalom.